Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I am Elaine Miller Karras, and I also want to let our listeners know that we are broadcasting live on Facebook at Resiliency Within if you want to go and see us in person. And today, we honor the wisdom of Indigenous healers on Indigenous People Day 2022, and we also acknowledge the need to bring healing practices to our global community on World Mental Health Day. I welcome my guest, Granddaughter Crow, also known as Dr. Joy Gray. She holds a doctorate in leadership, internationally recognized as a medicine person. She comes from a long line of spiritual leaders as a member of the Navajo Nation. She is the author of Journey of the Soul, Wisdom of the Natural World, and her most latest book, Belief, Being, and Beyond. She is the founding CEO of the Eagle Heart Foundation, a nonprofit organization. She dedicates her life to inspiring, encouraging, and empowering individuals to be their authenticity. She will share her ideas in her latest book, Belief, Being, and Beyond. I'm going to say it a number of times because I really want to encourage you to go out and buy this wonderful book. She uses a variety of spiritual concepts and scientific findings to engage you in a deep self-reflection. She explores a larger pattern of the human psyche, reflecting through the longing for a creation, a flood, a hero, an end of times, an afterlife within many belief systems, revealing a pattern of who and what we are as the human race. I cannot think of a better person to have on the show today to honor the wisdom of of Indigenous people and also for us to think about the different healing practices that exist in our world so that we can have some impact on the tragedy of mental health challenges. So with that, Welcome, Granddaughter Crow, and what is on your mind today as we begin? Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So first, I want to say um, I it is my honor and privilege to be here with you today on the, you know, the Indigenous People Day, as well as the Mental Health Day, us two coming together. It's just perfect. I would say what's on my mind today is that There's so much going on in the world, and I want to encourage the listeners to take some time for themselves as well, to check in with your own system, to make sure that you are not being reactive to all of the news, but you are doing your spiritual practice or financial practice or whatever it is that you do to help the people all, all across the globe that are going through traumatic times but that you also take a moment for yourself to check in to make sure that your system is well balanced as well, because it's kind of like take care of you so that you can help us take care of others. Yes. I I think those are wise words. 
And I think with that, I'll, I, I just want to ask you, the first question is, um, what inspired you to write this book of Belief, Being, and Beyond? Right. So the inspiration of this book probably goes beyond myself, quite honestly. So what I would say is that I have a lot of personal stories within the book, and um It helped me to kind of, you'll see as you read the book, that I was uh, put into a position, I was um, traumatized by a belief system that ended out ousting me from my biological family. And it set me on this path of trying to look at different belief systems and figure out like, what is the root here? And I started examining it throughout my life that a person's belief system constitutes them to behave in the way that they behave. And when I say belief system, I'm not just talking about religion. I'm talking about your personal practice, like how if you believe that you should brush your teeth twice a day, then you will brush your teeth religiously. It's these belief systems that we have. And so the interesting thing is when I said it kind of goes beyond me is that my father um, was born in 1932. And so if you look at that, that takes us back to the time of um, the residential school. So my father is full blood, you know, Diné, full blood Navajo, and English is his second language. At the age of about eight or nine, he was taken from uh, the Hogan, which is the the natural dwelling of the of the Dene, the Navajo, and put into a residential school and boarding school, and quite frankly, I see it as being brainwashed, not only just stripped of culture, but literally being reprogrammed, um, and how that impacted him, and then me as his youngest daughter, how that still I can see how that that event still impacts the things that I do. So, you know, and I didn't even think about that until today. I'm like, well, I wrote this book because I was at the hand of a belief system that, you know, hurt me and was harmful. And then I look around and I'm like, there's a lot of belief systems that we hold within within even just the Western world that are very harmful to people. And, um, and we don't realize that we have blind spots but at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I wrote this for the reader and I, and I was kind of nervous because <laughs> I thought, oh, no, nobody's going to understand my story. It's so odd. It's so different. But you know what? Now it's so true. I have so many people saying, I went through something similar energy, different storyline, but I understand and I hope now I don't feel alone. And I'm like, I don't feel alone either. So as, as your readers, um, as you as your listeners read through the book, know that I tend to be very accessible. You can always contact me and just write me a little note about I understand or this is what I'm thinking. So it's it's for here for all of us, the concept of belief being and that there is something beyond what we believe. Well, and as you say those very wise words, I was thinking today. As I was thinking about um, World Mental Health Days, oftentimes people with mental health challenges feel all alone. And for you to say, and I think that's a message that we both have and share, you are not alone. And what a wonderful offering that you just made to my listeners is that you they can reach out to you. 
And so I want to make sure that we also know, is there a website that they can reach out to you? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So could you just say it for just for us to know what it is? Absolutely. www.granddaughtercrow.com. Well, that will be an easy one to remember. So as you, um, as you talk about, you know, your dad and uh, the obvious trauma that he would have had to have experienced at the residential schools that we know was duplicated thousands upon thousands of times to families of Indigenous people all over the country, not just the United States, but Canada as well. Yes. Um, and, and the trauma, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, that happened to him. That didn't happen to you. But I think that there is a seed that gets planted with historical trauma that is important for us to acknowledge. So could you talk a little bit more about that and how your healing practices and the beliefs that you so beautifully share in the book have sprung from that? Yeah, I would say it's unfolding to me almost like it continues to unfold. There's not like a canned answer that I can give you on that. It's it's something that I, I recognize. And so my grandfather, traditional medicine man, Navajo Nation, I don't think he ever spoke English. Um, my Aunt Alice, which is my father's little sister, high priestess of the peyote way. My father went to the residential school and adopted this idea that the white body is more intelligent than the red body, that the white body knows more. And to this day, or well, he's he's passed, but it's like he he called the, the white body dominant thinkers. Now, to me, I'm like, I, I remember I was probably, it was about 15 years ago when I finally started healing from the idea that I should be ashamed of my Navajo-ness. Yeah. I, I like to say I was, I was indigenous before indigenous was cool. And now it's cool. But um, I would say that, that those ideas trickled through and now I'm helping to want to heal you know mine was indigenous made me feel like quote unquote the other maybe it's mental health that makes you feel quote unquote like the other or maybe it's your sexual orientation that makes you feel like the other or whatever it is we're all the i'm i wrote this book for the other so that we can kind of step back and take a look and not just accept that we're the other but kind of start asking questions and and being empowered, because really my mission, like you said, you know, at the beginning is to inspire, to encourage, and to empower you to be your authenticity, whatever that might be. Well, and I'm really struck by the, the first word of your book, which is belief, because you're talking about what we come to believe, then we actually express in ways that sometimes are not healthy for us. And so can you talk more about your philosophy of being and beyond and how they're all interconnected so that those individuals are going, oh my gosh, I have a belief about this. I need to change that. But we can get stuck there. Yes. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about yeah. that. Well, I think that the first step is to, like you said, oh my goodness, I have this belief system. Well, that's the first step is to have the conscious awareness around the belief system and then to kind of step back from the belief system and not necessarily identify with it as though this is you, but to step back and see it as a concept and then 
ask questions about it. Because then when you ask questions about it, you can start examining what truly does that, does that belief system align with your authenticity? Or was it a belief system that you were raised in a certain part of the country with certain people and then, and then this came through? But I think the first thing is, is to examine it because belief systems cause you to behave or your beingness. They constitute what, how you move within the world. But the concept of that there is something beyond that is the most beautiful concept because I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm not here to tell you how to behave. I'm not here to tell you what is beyond. I'm here to ask you, what does that look like for you? Because a simple, it's kind of like um, the observer effect in quantum physics that Something will change merely because it is being observed. So when we observe our thought process, our belief systems, our behavior, and um, step back and go, is that aligned with me? Or is there something beyond that? Is there something I'm not seeing? And and it just kind of keeps going. And I keep unfolding like a lotus. You know, there's things that I'm like, oh, wait a second, I need to examine that, that I think about myself, you know, the belief system that I'm not worthy, you know, where did that come from? You know, that's not organic to my being. And so it's like, okay, so it's all types of belief systems. First step is to examine it. Also, I would encourage if anybody's getting like, hey, this is making sense to me. When you purchase the book, I would say purchase a journal with it because at the end of every chapter, there are journal prompts to help you to unfold and self-discover. No right or wrong answers. It's about self-discovering and maybe having a place where you can kind of go, now I'm starting to feel more like myself versus who I am told I should be. Well, and as you're talking, I'm just thinking about how those belief structures that sometimes we grow up with saying, this is the only way to believe, that can be constrictive. If all of a sudden we start questioning, well, what about this or that? And someone says, no, don't think that way. You need to only think this way. And so then we think, oh, that I think that sometimes those ideas and beliefs about, oh, there's something wrong with me because I'm questioning or asking some pointed questions to my family about things that I don't quite understand. Yeah. And and so what you're saying here, it is okay to question. In fact, it's healthy. Yes. And so the subtitle, you know, it is belief, being, and beyond. But the subtitle is your journey to questioning ideas, deconstructing concepts, and healing from harmful belief systems. So yes, it's healthy to ask questions. And a lot of us were raised under this idea or program or whatever you want to call it, that children should be seen and not heard. Females should be quiet or do not question authority, you know, and it turns us into sheeple, people who follow and we're not allowed to have a mind. You know, it's like you were not allowed to be curious. These are the things that I promote. You are allowed to have your own thoughts. You are allowed to be curious. You are allowed to question. In fact, it's healthy to do so. <laughs> and I want to also add, I think it can lead you to a liberation that you did not know was possible when you start to questioning, because then also it opens up other ideas from other people that then go, oh, that person thinks like I do. I thought I was the only one that had this way of expression. 
And I, I think that brings me to another question that I was really interested in your book about when you talked about philosophy, religion, and mythology. And I was thinking about creation stories. I grew up in a Christian faith. I grew up with the creation story of Adam and Eve. And then I had the, the rich experience of going to the Diné nation, uh, the Navajo nation, and being taken down into the, uh, the Canyon de Chez and actually being able to hear another creation story, a creation story that existed long before the creation story of the Bible even existed. And I remember that moment and I said, oh, I have to really look at the creation stories of other, of other um, peoples because maybe there is a lesson in all of these creation stories that may give me some ideas of how I'm thinking about healing in the world. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I just your Love comment it. about about philosophy, religion, and mythology and how you express it in your book. Absolutely. So the very, very macro picture, we're five-fingered people living on Mother Earth, irregardless of you know, what side of the globe you, your ancestors landed, we all came up with this idea of, hey, where did I come from? Where did I come from? What was the beginning? What was the creation? And so theology, mythology, and philosophy approach that question. They all, you know, philosophy is the one that approaches it without a deity involved. Um, theology has to have a deity involved, usually one deity. And then mythology really has to do, it has to do with more like widespread, uh, maybe a pantheon of deities that represent the sun and the rain and Mother Earth and the stone nation and the four-leggeds and all of this. So irregardless of how it is explained, the point is we all had the question of the creation story. And when we begin to recognize that there are many different things within this, then we're like, oh, I think maybe it's like the... Um, the story of the, the five blind men who go up to an elephant and they go up to the elephant and then they each touch a part of the elephant and they come back, sit in a circle and they're like, okay, what does the elephant look like? And one is like, well, it's a big, like a tree, you know, he's like a tree. What are you talking about? It feels like a leaf because he's touching the ear and he's like, no, it felt like a snake, you know, and so on and so forth, you know, no, it's a rope, you know? And so, Maybe we each have a little bit of, maybe we're the five blind men and we each have a little bit of the story. And if we can kind of relax and not be defensive around, you know, I might have a blind spot or I might not see the whole picture, then we might be able to have less blind spots and see more of the picture. Well, and I think in, in today's world that I've been, it's been a suffering of the last few years because we've seen a lot of those blind spots is that, you know, we saw it with the pandemic, some people who completely believed in, um, in having a vaccine and others who did not. Uh, oh, you need to wear a mask. No, you don't, don't need to wear a mask. Oh, no, we believe in this political party. Or, oh, if you believe in that, that must mean you're close to the devil. So all these kinds of things that instead of bringing us together as, as 
one common humanity tend to be driving us apart. So I'm seeing as I'm hearing about your work work and your beliefs, you're really looking at some of the core of these kinds of beliefs that fractionalize us as families, as human beings. So please, I would would love your thoughts about. Oh, I mean, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. So here's the deal that if you do not question and you just follow along then there is more and more separation. There is separation between you and Mother Earth. There is separation between you and maybe a political party or you and your family, or there's separation, honestly, from you and yourself, meaning you're behaving in a way that's aligned with somebody else's story instead of being living a life that is aligning with your authenticity. So the separation starts on a very micro level of self to self and it branches out. So if we do not question and we do not open our mind that maybe we can sit in a circle and I can see the opposite side, but if we understand that we're all wanting a better world, we're all wanting, you know, for there not to be sickness, we're all wanting this then then and we're just approaching it differently then then we start coming together and seeing more of the bigger picture even if we disagree you know maybe we're approaching it from two different positions i understand that so it's kind of like allowing everybody to have a voice when a person feels like they don't get a voice which may start very early in being, you know, children should be seen and not heard. When when they experience their voice being taken away, then they look for a larger group to become, you know, a part of. And then when they were told you can't think for yourself, then they just adopt whatever the larger group is, which may have a totally different motive than who they truly are. And so we are more similar than we are different. And um, this book kind of leads us to that. I definitely have seen a lot of, okay, here's the question. Who benefits from us disagreeing with each other? Who benefits? I don't benefit. You don't benefit. Who is benefiting? And when you answer that question, then you'll start seeing a larger um, agenda that maybe we don't want to buy into and maybe we do want to kind of come together. And so you're also talking about the influences that can be in like the macro system that we not may not even be aware of. Well, where did that thought come through? And why do I feel so that I have to defend it and that it's causing me so much suffering because maybe I can't communicate with a certain family member the way that I would like to. So I think these are such important questions, but I also want to say about the book that I liked is your transparency, that you talk about your own suffering. You talk about your own starting to question and your family saying, uh-uh, um, I don't care what you th- you can't be a part of our family. And I just think about your courage about being transparent. And could you maybe talk about that a little bit? Because I imagine there are people that are listening that think, oh my gosh, if I do that, I could lose my family. Uh, how can I live? How can I breathe? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So um, one, I want to give a shout out to um, Llewellyn Worldwide, uh, my publisher, the it was my editor 
who encouraged me to, she kept saying, we want more anecdotal stories. Well, then what happened to you between age 21 and 25? You, you jumped over that part. Um, and, 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 oh, I went raw writing this. And, you know, and then, and then it's like, oh, my diary is here for the world to see, you know. But I would also say that when there, there is a part of our spirit that, you know, courage is not without fear. Courage is in the face of the greatest fears and moving forward anyway. Yes, I ended out um, leaving my biological family. I'm not in contact with them. I mean, I do hear, oh, you know, what's going on or whatnot. Um, I don't know if they know if I'm an author or not, or if they refuse to hear that. But at the end of the day, you know what I did find? I found my spiritual family. I found my community. I found myself. I found empowerment. I found all of these things that more align. And so I'll, I'll put it this way. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And that is the complete statement. It's not blood is thicker than water. That's the condensed statement that has almost the opposite effect. So the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Huh. And so, you know, even as you say that, I, I am thinking about um, people that may be suffering right now and say just the, that statement that there actually can be the creation of your rightful spiritual family that may not necessarily be connected to your biological family, even though that biologic family has influenced your journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to just, I just want our listeners to know we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about belief being and beyond. And I really want you all to go and, and get this book because it's not only a good read. I'm going to hold up for those of us who are um, on Facebook live um, the book, um, because I think it's a way that you can unwrap your personal journey in a very, to me, it felt very safe the way you wrote the book granddaughter crow that could be in a safe way. Um, and I'm even thinking that maybe you have a few friends that are trying to unwrap some of their, their beliefs that maybe you could even start a belief being and beyond little support network and read the book together and go through some of the journaling um, and then have discussions about it. Because I could also see the value of sharing how you're maybe deconstructing some of, you know, maybe the hard, uh, held beliefs that may not be working for you anymore that are causing you suffering. So I don't know, has anybody started doing any kind of support groups around your book? It would be a great, you know, great thing for people to do. Really quickly, I will say if there is one or two or three listeners that are like, I would like that, email me, I will make it happen. All right. That's wonderful. So we will be back in just a few minutes to continue our conversation with Granddaughter Crow and get some more of her ideas of how we can really step into who we were always meant to be, but maybe shrouded by the beliefs that are, I guess, literally laying us down so that we can't feel that expand expansiveness is in what the spirit world and what Mother Earth wants for every human being on this planet. So we will be jet back in a few minutes to continue our conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller-Karis book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I'm here continuing my conversation with Granddaughter Crow. And we have been talking about her her new book called Belief, Being, and Beyond. And she just shared with me, you can pick it up wherever you buy your books. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, and if they don't have it, you can ask the, your, your local bookseller to order it. And um, I really encourage you to do that. So I wanna, my next question that I have for you is, as people um, begin to maybe look at the book, what are the kinds of things that will come from it? What are the things that your that your um, readers have said of what's been transformative for them about reading your book? Yeah, you know it's interesting because um, it quite honestly is um, a huge weaving, a very 
easy concepts, but looking at them from all different aspects. So depending on what you're looking for, I've had comments such as, um, I really enjoyed listening to what you went through. I don't feel alone anymore. I've had comments where there there's an, a section in there that I talk about blind spots and how everybody scientifically proven we all have physical blind spots and the idea that we don't see with our eyes we see with our mind and all of this so there's a lot of juiciness in there um, a lot of readers will take away the idea that they have permission to ask questions to receive answers then you get the answer you you know you you um, can act upon the answer and then you manifest your own intentional life so there's so many I've heard so many different comments but I think that the biggest one is that um, this book allows you to be yourself you know, I'm not telling you who to be. I'm asking you to be yourself. And then you say, well, what does that look like? And I prompt you to figure it out, to kind of dig in there and figure out who are you today? Who are you today? Not who are you forever? Who are you today? And then you get to figure out who are you tomorrow when tomorrow becomes today. And so one of the questions I have about that journey is you mentioned in our, our first half of the show about fear. And many times in my, my experience personally and working with many people around the world is that it's hard to have the courage when the fear comes in because of all the, the, the uh, potential of losses that may happen if you decide to really step into those moccasins of who you want to be in life. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about how to get past that fear or how did you do it? What were the things that helped you do that? Well, honestly, um, the fear is there for a reason and it is um, real. There is a reality to knowing that you were put into a certain box and that you are supposed to stay there and it was reinforced by, you know, and if you don't, then this will happen. So I want to just legitimize, like, you're not just a scaredy cat. You have been taught this. However, um, you get to come out as authentically as you wish to. So it can be slow you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to blow up the world and, you know, run for the hills. It can be slow. It can be with maybe a, a special friend or acquaintance or person who you trust. Um, if you don't have that, like I said, email me. And if I get a handful of people that want to walk through this book week by week, chapter by chapter, you know, and 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 share together, I'm more than happy to do that. So even if you are like, I'm by myself, you know, so it really has to do with finding finding a, a somebody who's going to listen to you. And, and sometimes that somebody is, is your journal. Um, but the most important person that could ever hear your voice is you. So start listening to your own voice and let it, then, then I would say is replace fear with curiosity as much as you can. Because curiosity, yes, curiosity killed the cat. 
But the second part of that is curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. So it's like you get kind of nervous, but put yourself, tap into your inner child and ask questions in a safe environment and you will grow and you will learn that, wow, I really kind of like who I am. I get to wear hats and I get to wear, you know, uh, whatever I want to wear. And, 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 and I get to express myself the way that it feels the most authentic to myself today. And so it's, it can be um, a process. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but community um, is also very helpful. And again, you know, um, what I would say is light a candle and say, Divine, however the divine reveals itself to you, please lead me step by step in the direction that is best and most honoring my situation and my highest self and see what happens. What a wonderful practice to start to do. I mean, even as a daily practice, right? It could lead us into that direction of of not only, you know, what we're called to do for ourselves, but I'm also... (laughs) very much inspired by what you were called to do for yourself and how that is also propelling you out into the wider world to bring healing to others. And you also shared that you come from a long line of medicine people from the Diné, from the Navajo. So could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because you've sparked more. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I do come from a long line of spiritual leaders. Uh, My grandfather was um, medicine man. Um, I believe that my father would have been a traditional medicine man, but after being indoctrinated into the Christian faith, he still is a medicine man in a Christian faith way. So it's almost like, you know, somebody asked me about that and I'm like, his body still practices traditional medicine. I still see, you know, when I was a little girl, I still saw him dance around the backyard. I still heard him sing. I still saw him, you know, walk and, and look in the sky and, and, and talk about, Oh, I saw this, what's coming or whatever. So um, it comes out the, the medicine that I'm talking about is, is, is kind of, earned through the the bloodline, but also earned throughout your own life, which means that if you went through the dark night of the soul, if you went through what I'm calling an initiation, look at that. And maybe it's something you don't want to talk about, or you're talking with your therapist about it. Look at it from another point of view and say, what did you learn that is helpful, that has expanded your character in a positive way? Because because I was ostracized, I'm very sensitive to making sure that people don't feel ostracized. Because I was shamed, I make it very, I, I try to hold space for don't shame, don't judge people. So it kind of comes out. And so now it's kind of like I frog leapt over my father back to my grandfather. Hence, my name is Granddaughter Crow. So that's, that's the way. I mean, you can throw down your energy in whatever way that you throw it down, but as long as it's pure energy, then it can come out in whatever practice it is. Well, and I think that you share that um, in the book that, that you, um, and please correct me if I'm not saying this uh, in the right way, is that um, you're a spiritual person, not necessarily a religious person. And sometimes I, so I know that that sometimes um, people who 
are raised with a certain um, faith tradition, that's a hard concept to grasp. So I'm wondering if you could share what that means. Absolutely. I can share, and you and you said it exactly right. I'll share with your audience on what it means to me, and then they can decide whatever it means to them. I see religion, theology, is man's interpretation of that which we do not understand, but that we are curious about because it created us, right? So, I see theology and religion as man's interpretation of what this is. I see spirituality as what this is. So, I don't, I don't have a label on it. To me, the byproduct of spirituality is the natural world. You know, the byproduct of spirituality is the idea that you and I in this moment can come together and have such a dynamic. That connection is spirituality to me. It's very, very simple. I think that the more complex uh, and rules and regulations that man puts on it is what I uh, want to examine and kind of step back from. So, I'm talking about, is it man's interpretation of what God is, or is it God or the goddess or however the divine reveals itself to you? And so, in in that journey, I I sometimes, I've been in so many places around the world, and I often um, say this when I talk about the model that I helped to develop called the Community Resiliency Model, is that when I ask people who've suffered greatly, um, what um, is helping you to get through whatever's before them? And oftentimes they will bring up their spiritual beliefs and sometimes religion, but sometimes they'll say, um, I have, I feel Jesus in my heart and they'll touch their heart. Or sometimes they'll say, oh, the teachings of Buddha, they'll touch their heart. Oh, uh, the many gods of my Hindu faith and they'll touch their heart. So I've really come to believe, I mean, so I've been to so many different places after disasters that there are many, um, there are many pathways to the mountain of the divine and that exactly that humans have designed different ways of thinking about what that divine means, but it's really the same spiritual underpinnings of what people are trying to describe, which to me makes it. So if that's what we're doing, that there's no reason to be at odds with one another because we're just trying to describe in some ways the unfathomable, the things that are indescribable in ways that we mere mortals can understand. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, um, Granddaughter Crow, but I, I've, I've grappled with this, um, this question because I too was raised in a, in a very, um, in a very, the Catholic faith. I have great respect for it, but it also, I had a very pivotal moment in my upbringing. I went to Catholic school. And when I was a junior in high school, I had a comparative religion class, which I think you had the same experience in college, right? And I'm going, oh my, there's the Baha'i faith, there's this faith. And all of a sudden, it was like the explosion of different ideas that were in addition to Catholicism. That to me is probably the day that I began what you're talking about is that questioning which I, I think is a very good thing for us to do as human beings. I don't know. Yeah. Any comment about that? I love it. I love it. I, I do. And um, so I absolutely agree. And that's why I say phrases like the divine as it reveals itself to you. So different times in my life, the divine has revealed itself to me in different ways based on where I was and what I, what I needed. 
And um, so it's, you know, you, you can't put it, it's too big to fit into one religion. You Absolutely. know, it really, really is. And and then on the other hand, you know, um, you know, when I needed a shepherd, Jesus was there. Absolutely. 100%. The the thing that I, you know, because we're kind of, let me clarify for your listeners, I'm not talking about choosing one religion or not choosing a religion and choosing spirituality, or I'm not saying that. I'm saying if your belief system says that it is the only way and superior, start questioning it. Because I think that's what can bring us to having these confrontations between, oh, well, my my humanness and my beliefs are better than yours and you have to believe mine in order to be able to to exist in the planet and i think we've seen across the ages where different kinds and this just it's not only religion it can be many things that have brought you know people at odds against each other that has been left with destruction and i think we have the choice of creating a different world and i'm thinking about my dear friends in ukraine right now um, I heard from some of them this morning, and there was five hours of shelling um, yesterday for them. I guess it would be today um, if we're in Pacific time, which I'm, at, I'm on. Um, and that is a horrible thing that these individuals have had to experience that leads to traumatic experiences. What your dad experienced was trauma, and that that trauma, we ingest it, and then we try to make meaning out of it. And if we stick with it, if it's the trauma is directing us, then I think it does constrict us as as if we have handcuffs on that we can't loosen in order to see the world in a different way, which is why I, many of the Ukrainians I know are really dedicated to bringing in well-being to their community as they're experiencing all of this, what we can say is horror. And this is what I'm hearing from you too, is that if we are constricted by those traumas of our life, um, we have choices that we can make about creating a new pathway. I, that's Those are the thoughts that are kind of streaming for me right now. Any comment about what I'm saying? I, I absolutely, yes. I, um, you know, and thank you for bringing up, you know, what's going on in Ukraine. You know, my heart goes out to to all of the, the people who are experiencing trauma, Um What I would say is that we, very simplistically, we are experiencing a phenomenon, period. How we, how our system, our body, our nervous system responds to that is valid. The story that we shape around it or place on it in our mind is what we need to examine. What story am I saying? Am I, when I went through trauma as a child to the extent that I became suicidal, so immense trauma. So it wasn't easy. You know, you talk about courage and everything, but it was like, crawling out of this thing and getting lost in a world and and curiosity was what what shaped me you know it's like i if i believed that if i wrote the story around it yes the the phenomenon that happened is real the facts are real but the story that i write around it is what can liberate me if i believed if i took their story well 
little Joy Joy questioned God because she said, well, if God loves everyone and you can only go to heaven if you believe in this one God, but people don't hear about him, how is that loving? Those are the things that got me ousted. And and if I would believe that what I did was wrong and that I should feel ashamed of what I did, then um, then I would be very depressed right now, if even alive. But the fact that I was able to examine it from so many different positions, I now understand that my father, he had to leave his belief system and his culture and was indoctrinated, ended up going to seminary school where he met my mother in this Christian faith. So do you know how traumatizing it was for them? Their whole relationship, his whole existence, everything that happened to him was based on this Christian faith. And then his little girl decides to ask why? Yeah, so I'm shaking there. So it was probably traumatizing for them too. So we go about our ways. I love and respect them. But if it be true that we choose our parents, I did not choose my mother and father, because I needed loving parents, I think I chose them uh, to be, to come from their bloodline and to have spiritual mentors because they are spiritual, you know, leaders. So when you, when you say that, um, I'm just wondering, like in the here and now, so what helps you as you maneuver your life in this present moment with knowing all the things that have come before and being here now with me and being an author, being a healer, what helps you? I mean, here you came out of being suicidal. There are people that are listening. Suicide uh, thinking and um, completions are epidemic all over the world as we're talking about global mental health today. But here we have an inspirational person like you who said, yes, this was me, but this is not me now. Yeah. So, so what I I would say, what, you know, I, I say I'm here to inspire, to encourage, and to empower. But the truth is, is that every time I sit down with someone or I read a comment of how me sharing in the way that I share um, helped them, that's my inspiration. Because that means to me, I didn't go through it for nothing. I can be here for somebody who's going through it too. And it's like, I extend my arm and, you know, to whoever that is. And I'm like, I will, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to lead you. I'm not going to follow you, but I am going to stand next to you and listen to what the world, what you're experiencing right now. And I will hold your hand and bear witness to your story. That alone is healing. Mm. As you just said those words, I was just thinking about like a nourishing nectar, <laughs> you know, that that out of this, the suffering and out, out of your really unwinding and really doing this deep dive into your spiritual beliefs, the empowerment that's come through that now nourishes others so that could be in a very similar situation. So this has been the fastest hour that I can possibly imagine with anyone. Oh, my gosh, Granddaughter Crow. We're definitely going to have to continue these conversations in the future. So um, we just have a few minutes left. Are there any guiding thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with um, as, as we part today very soon? Yes. So what I would say is whether or not 
you decide to pick up the book today, tomorrow, or never, whatever you decide is up to you. But I will say this, take a moment and breathe. Breathe in through your nose, hold that breath for just a few seconds, and exhale it through your mouth. Do this for a few breaths so that you can relax and start hearing your own voice. I am absolutely honored that you have listened to this and come so far to hear this. But at the end of the day, if there is one voice that I would want you to hear, it's your authentic voice of your higher self that has absolutely 100% unconditional love and understanding and uh, connect with whatever that is. And um, again, I'm here. I'm accessible. You know, Dr. Joy at granddaughtercode.com is my email. You can find it on my website. And if you do want me to build a community around belief being and beyond so that you're not walking through it by yourself, send me a note. If I get enough people, I will build that very easily. It's not hard for me. Oh, I just love that because that spark of the idea came from resiliency within. And I think you are exemplifying what this show is all about because we say, what else is true? And you are the very epitome of all that, that you had the trauma as a child, and yet you carved out of that trauma a beautiful, beautiful practice, one that you're sharing with the world and that is available to all of this, all of us. So I want to just reiterate her very her wisdom um, that is available in belief, being, and beyond. And I hope that you all go out to um, purchase it and to really to know that after each chapter, there are questions that she's asking you. There are, There is a way that today you can start working on this. And then this amazing offer, Granddaughter Crow, I just want to, to thank you so much that people can reach you through granddaughtercrow.com and you can say, I want to be part of that healing circle. So as we remember today, is Indigenous People Day. What a wonderful, wonderful example. And I embrace you, uh, honestly, with um, a huge embracing hug from my heart. And also all of those who may be suffering with mental health challenges today, remember that you're not alone and that there is support for you there and that we can make a difference in the world. And if Granddaughter's Crow story, I hope was an inspiration to you that at one moment in her life, she was feeling like ending it, but she didn't. And look at the good that is happening from her today and will be happening for the future for many people who pick up her book and reach out to her. So blessings to you all. This is Elaine Miller-Karis signing off from Resiliency Within. And I want to again thank our sponsor, the Trauma Resource Institute, for um for allowing us to continue these conversations about building well-being and resiliency in our world community. Until next time, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon.
Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com.